Hello and welcome to the Highway to Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy. In this episode, I am joined by Eric Zimmer. Eric is a behavior coach, author, and the host of the One You Feed podcast. He is endlessly inspired by the quest for a greater understanding of how our minds work and how to intentionally create the lives we want to live. As you will hear in this interview, Eric has been through a lot. At the age of 24, he was homeless, addicted to heroin, and facing long jail sentences. In the years since, he's not only found a way to overcome these obstacles to create a life worth living, but he now helps others to do the same. Stick around to learn exactly how Eric helps his clients navigate through life's crisis and come out on the other side stronger and with a renewed sense of purpose. Before we go on to today's interview, let me remind you that this show is a labor of love, which I do in my spare time. My current day job is running a company where we help doctors and other practicing health professionals become better entrepreneurs, allowing them to serve more patients and provide a better life for their families. If you are a health professional or you know of an amazing doctor, dentist, chiropractor, or any other practicing doctor who deserves to be doing better in business, check out pgformula.com. This episode is sponsored and produced by podcastinthebox.co. I remember when I first launched my podcast, I had been thinking about doing it for years. I had read two books on the subject and signed up for an online course, and I still did not launch that podcast. You see, back then I was running a busy stem cell practice, teaching at a university, and traveling for conferences, so it was really hard to find the time to start and maintain a new project like this podcast, which is where Podcast in a Box came in. The team at Podcast in a Box handled everything, and I mean everything that had to do with planning, launching, editing, publishing, and marketing a podcast, because... Proper podcasting is not just about buying a microphone and rambling on. There is so much more than that. If you're a busy doctor, lawyer, accountant, business owner, or anyone looking to build a personal brand to instill trust in your clients so they will want to buy your products or services, but you don't have the time or the desire to learn the technical side of podcasting, Pockets in a Box might be right for you. To find out more and see if your idea is worthy of a podcast, just head on over to pocketsinabox.co and click on the appropriate button. When prompted, make sure to mention Dr. E's Highway to Health show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now, speaking about podcast production, I want to ask you to please bear with me and my guests in this and a few of the upcoming episodes since they've been recorded during this COVID quarantine, where we're both at home, usually on a shared Wi-Fi connection with the rest of our families. And so, well, there's a few drops in connection here and there. The guys at Pockets in a Box did a great job of salvaging most of the conversation, but there are still certain places where there was nothing that could be done to avoid it. I think they're rarely noticeable, but I'll let you be the judge of that. In any case, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Eric Zimmer. And remember, you are on the highway to health, and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting-edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, and sitting with me today is Eric Simmer. Eric, how are you today? I am doing great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you say uh, hi to our audience and share with us a little bit of uh, how do you get started doing what you're currently doing? In some ways, there's there's a really long answer to that and a really short answer to that, right? I mean, I'm a 
I'm a podcast host and a behavior coach. And, uh, you know, the short answer to how I got started doing it was I just got started doing it. You know, one day I decided I thought it would be fun to do a podcast. And so I launched one and, and, and started doing it. Uh, the longer version of that could be really long, but I won't, I won't make it too long. But my podcast is about um, how the choices we make in life impact our overall well-being you know it's based on a parable of of two wolves where you know we we've got a good and a bad wolf inside of us and the one that wins is the one we feed so you know it points to our choices and so i know i first heard that parable a long time ago i was 25 years old i was a homeless heroin addict um, I weighed 100 pounds. I had hepatitis C. Uh, I was dying, and I heard that parable, you know, and it had a great deal of resonance for me because I was at a point in my life where it was really clear like, I can do these sort of things and I'm going to recover, or I can do these sort of things and I'm likely going to die, or I'm going to go to jail for a long time. So, which, you know, it was very, very prominent choice. So, that early heroin addiction pushed me into an interest in personal development, in growth, in spirituality, and all that stuff. I kind of was just forced. And so a great number of years later, after a long career in, in various software startup companies and after founding my own solar energy company, I eventually hit a point where I wanted to do something, something a little bit more meaningful. And so I started this podcast as an attempt to do that. Um, I started it as a way to help my own mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Um, and then from there, it sort of grew and, and it turned into what I do for a living. But that wasn't the original intention. The original intention was really like, I just want to do this because it sounds like it would be really good for me. Going back to the parable, I, um, I heard that parable as well from my mentor, from Darren Hardy. And it also resonated with me a lot. At the time, uh, I was, I'm not going to say uh, in a dark place, but I was certainly struggling. And that's when I began my own personal development journey as well, because before that, and I was I was probably around 30, 31 at the time. And uh, before that, you hear personal development and you just think like, yeah, no, that's that's for losers. And uh, <laughs> nobody nobody who thinks they're cool wants to do personal development because we assume that, you know, I'm cool. Why, why am I going to need that, right? And, uh, and, and I started learning. And just like you, I just fell in love with this whole thing that I could study something and become better at whatever I wanted to do. So that's, that's also a parable that is very close to my heart uh, because it makes total sense. Now, for our listeners who might not be familiar with it, would you mind expanding on it a little bit? It's an old parable. Nobody really knows where it comes from. Um, some people insist it's a Native American. Um, some Native Americans insist it is. Other Native Americans are like, no, there's no way that is. No one knows. So I've tried to find out. So, But it's not important. Origin is not important. It's, it's an old story. Um, and it goes like this. There's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. And he says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops, thinks about it for a second. He looks up at his grandfather. He says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So that's the parable, which, you know, again, when, you, when we hear it, we almost immediately get it on one level because we're like, oh, I mean, that's what a good parable does, right? It teaches, <laughs> it teaches something very intuitively. And this, in very intuitively, we hear it and we go, oh, yeah, my choices matter, I guess. You know, what I think about, how I choose to spend my time, what I do 
matter. Yeah, and 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 that's the one thing that that really got me because it it makes total sense. The you know whatever you're feeding your mind, whatever you're putting in, the most of is is what's going to be more prevalent, and it's actually even clearer right now as we live through this current crisis, this pandemic uh, all over the world. And we're seeing people who are still struggling, people who are, who are afraid, people who are terrified about what's, what's going to come down the road. And then we see a few other people who are actually, I don't want to say excited about what's happening, but excited about the new doors and the new possibilities that are going to be opening up. And, and it tells you the exact same thing. The first group is probably just listening to sensationalistic uh, media. However, there are a lot of new opportunities coming up. And there are a lot of very positive things that we're seeing out in the world. So depending on where you focus your attention is the lens through which you're going to be seeing the rest of your, of your life experience. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think there, I think that some degree of fear is a normal reaction to, to what's happening right now. I think there are people who have more reason to be afraid than some other people, you know, people who have lost their jobs and all that. But yeah, I think at a, at a fundamental level, if all we're consuming is, like you said, sensationalistic journalism that paints the catastrophe, that's all we see. You know, I had a group coaching call this morning. I talked about uh, an idea that comes out of um, certain older religious traditions and psychology of something called liminal space. You know, the, the word liminal means threshold from Latin, limen. So, and that's where we are. We're in this transition space. You know, we're in this like, well, what came before appears like, all right, world's going to be very different moving forward, but we don't really know what that's going to look like. And liminal spaces um, the reason they're talked about in, in religious and psychological terms is that approached correctly, they can be spaces of tremendous growth. Because what they've done is they have taken away our normal certainties, our normal behaviors, our normal routines, all the things that just sort of keep life sort of skimming along the surface, all that is gone. And all of a sudden, we have these opportunities for deeper growth. And I think we do have those. And again, I'm always hesitant. I don't want to turn the suffering of, of lots of people in the world into like my personal growth opportunity. Like I, you know, I think we want to be sensitive about this. That said, right, we have a choice about how we approach a situation. You know, how do we want to respond? You know, the question that, that I asked myself very early in this, and I've asked listeners a lot and I've gotten a lot of feedback on is, who do I want to be through this? You know, who, how do I want to respond? How do, what do I want to bring? And I think you're right. We, we have that choice. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's actually a great question to, to ask ourselves. Uh, I've, I've recently taken more seriously a, a daily journaling um, practice. So I had been doing it kind of like on and off, and it was more like a checklist kind of journal. Uh, that was very, very valuable. But I've recently started like a free flow journal. And I think that's a great question to start asking ourselves, especially as we go through this crisis. I've been asking myself a couple of very important questions. Um, and, and one of them that I really like is what, what would I do right now if I was not afraid? Because there's, there's, always, there's always some fear of something. There's always something holding us back. There's always something that we're, we're deciding against or in favor of based on, on fear of trying to avoid something. So, so that's, that's been a very good exercise. And now this new question that you pose, I think is, is also very valuable. As a, as a, as a behavioral coach, what are you currently seeing right now with your clients, with the groups that you work with, 
what are you what are you currently seeing is is affecting them the most what are what are the kind of tools that you are giving them right now in order to be able to thrive t- through this uh, through this current situation i think the biggest challenge has been the loss of structure and routine you know we we had a structure and routine we got up in the morning we did this we did this we got the kids ready for school we got out the door they went to school we went to work and all of a sudden that all it just disappears and there is no structure and so i've seen a lot a lot of people feeling like they're just flailing because without structure yeah we've had sort of the the introduction of both no structure and fear at the same time you know and that has tended to produce chaos in people's personal lives so one of the biggest things that i've worked with a lot of people on is is introducing structure i'm i'm a big believer in as a behavior coach in habits routine and structure right and i think that structure we can think of structure as confining but a better way to think of structure is to think of it as we would think of the structural elements we put into a home. We put a foundation in, we put structural beams, and the point is to hold the thing up. And so a good structure holds us up and it, it liberates us. And one of the things it liberates us from is having to figure everything out all the time. You know, before we kind of, like I said, we sort of knew like, all right, if I'm going to work out, it's going to have to happen in this time window. But now it's like, well, I don't have to be up at seven anymore. Like, why not sleep till 830? Like, who cares? You know, and, you know, and so, so really working with people to introduce structure. And I've, I found it helpful to work with people to, to introduce sort of four pieces of structure to start, which is what time I get up, what time I start my work or whatever sort of productivity thing I'm doing. So maybe if I'm not working, I've decided I'm going to improve my skills in this area or, you know, but what, when am I going to do that? When am I going to do like self-care things like exercise or meditation or that, that sort of thing? And then what time am I going to go to bed? I think those four elements, if we can at least get those four sort of back into place, that helps establish and reestablish the structure for us. I think, I think that's a great starting point because you're absolutely right. I think for, for a long time, uh, we've all developed a routine, that a routine that, that more or less works for us, for a family, and that keeps us operating. But once this whole thing happened and it became our new normal, like the first couple of days, everyone thought like, well, yeah, we're in shock. But then after, you know, week one, we realized that this is our new normal, but our routines or the routines that we were used to are no longer applicable. So for a lot of people, it's a time to reevaluate. And for many others, it's a time for that they've started or they've completely forgotten about them or thrown them out the window. And, And from my point of view as a physician, one of the most paradoxical things is that now is the time that we really need to take good care of ourselves, of our body, so that if we are exposed to this virus, we will be able to fight it off. Because remember, the virus is not that it's very lethal. It's not Ebola. It, the thing is, it's it's very contagious. And the one thing we don't want is for it to, to, to be spread to too many people and to develop you know serious complications. Now, what happens is that if we stay up until two, three in the morning watching Netflix, eating junk food and not sleeping well and, 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 and doing all these things that we normally are, are not doing, 
um, not working out, not eating well, not having any physical activity, then we are setting ourselves up for failure. So that's why it's most important. And, um, and it cost me as well. And it probably you struggled with it as well at the first couple of days because it's very easy to just get sidetracked. Was this the case with you? It definitely was with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been fortunate in that my routines haven't changed a whole lot because I worked out of home anyway. And my son is, you know, 21 years old. And, and so, you know, it wasn't like I suddenly had to figure out how to work from home. It wasn't like I suddenly had children in that, you know, home all day that used to go to school or, you know, so that it didn't affect me as much in that way. But certainly early in the early days, yeah, I think it's just like this thing was like, it just drew so, so much of my attention. But since I do this sort of coaching and this sort of stuff, you know, for a living, it, it's never far from my mind to sort of stay on track with this stuff. And I've just learned through personal experience. So I definitely had a little bit of a impact when this started happening, but not like a lot of people. Cause again, my basic routines didn't have to change. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, for me, for me, that changed quite a bit. Um, and it was, it was kind of hard because part of my stubbornness wanted to be able to still figure out how I could fit my routines into my new limitations. And it wasn't until very recently, and we've been like over here in Spain at home for five weeks right now, because my family and I, we decided to lock ourselves in for a week before. My wife is pregnant. We have a toddler. It, it just didn't make sense to start to start risking ourselves when we saw what was happening in Italy. But for me, it took me a long time, like three, maybe four weeks. And, and, and recently, I just started saying, listen, let's just figure out the fundamentals and let's get the very, very basics. And that's when I started, you know what? Let's take good care of my sleep. That's why I'm recording at 8 p.m. and I'm wearing my blue light blockers because I realized that that was affecting my sleep. And I cannot go outside and do a workout. I cannot go for a run. So I'll do, I'll do burpees in the morning. And instead of doing you know, my, my regular meditation and doing my, my entire routine, I'm just going to figure out what are the most important things to, to move the needle um, in terms of my business and in terms of other things because it's in, inevitable that my two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old is going to walk in at some point and is going to interrupt me and I'm not going to be able to have you know, deep work for two hours. So that's what I've been doing, but not until recently. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I've seen a lot of people, I'd say, you know, with all these changes are, are working at about 60% of what their normal capacity is and just sort of being okay with that, being like, okay, you know what? Like I'm doing the best I can with this right now. Exactly. That's, that's what I, that's what I had to figure out. Like, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to do the best with what I can right now and stop tormenting myself about not doing it at, 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 at my fullest extent. And I'm going to say, okay, so what are the most important things that I should be looking at? And I'm definitely going to do those. So, so that's what I'm doing. I'm waking up, I'm doing, I'm doing my journaling, I'm doing short meditation. And, and then I've at least gotten the most important things out of the way. And as soon as you and I finish recording this, I'm I'm gonna go, you know, start winding down and go to bed because that's that's what I've noticed. This is what's important around these times. Now, as a again, as a behavioral coach, and based on your experience, how do you see this moving forward? Because we're we're obviously going to live through this. Uh, of course, it's it's hard for a lot of people to think of a world um, where we will no longer have to be quarantined and we'll, we will be able to go outside of, you know, social places again, but it, it will happen and business will return back to a new way of normalcy. How do you see this affecting us in terms of our behavior moving forward? What do you think is going to be the effect? It's a great question. And, and I don't know that I have a good answer because I don't, 
I don't feel like I know what the new normal is, is really going to look like for people. I'm hoping that, you know, like you probably hope often, I'm hoping that it will help us to, to, to take care, you know, to look at ourselves and our, and our physical and mental and emotional health and take it a little more seriously. I think for a lot of people, what the crisis brings up is like, oh, I'm not very well prepared for a crisis, <laughs> right? That's exactly like, what I was thinking. I'm not in good. I'm not in good health. I'm not in good emotional health. I don't have good coping skills. I don't, um, you know, kind of on down the line. And that that for some people, this will be an opportunity to say, okay, you know what, boy, really anything can happen. Maybe I need to make sure my own house is in a little bit better shape as far as my physical health, and my mental, and my emotional health, and that I want to have those things in place so that I'm better able to weather a storm you know, of, of whatever kind that is. Yeah, because the storms are coming all the time. Uh, now what happened is that we are all going through crisis at the same time, but there's always crises around our lives. We, we can lose a loved one. We can uh, lose our job. We can have financial setbacks. We can, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen to, to ourselves. And I think, uh, like you very well said, I think that one of the things that, that this will do for all of us is bring that awareness that we never know when something like this is going to strike and we need to figure out what's what's important and and be well prepared at all times because you you'd be surprised how many times i've spoken to someone and like i said i, I coach and i consult with doctors and most of them run their own private practices and they've had to lay people off and they've had to downsize and they've had to you know ask for for, for loans and things like that and many of them are saying like listen from now on I'm going to make sure that, that this is never going to happen. And I'm going to make sure that I always have two months of expenses um, in cash. And I'm going to make sure that I have this and I'm going to make sure that I have that. So it's kind of like when somebody has one of those near death experiences and that changes your life, I think we're all going through it right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're right. I mean, this is, we are, what this has done is caused us all to go through this at the same time. But the reality of life is life is uncertain at all times. It always is this. It's always the way it is right now. We just don't, we're just, we just are able to not be aware of it. You know, um, there's a, there's an author, Mark Nepo, who I love, who call, he has something he calls the terrible knowledge. And the terrible knowledge is the knowledge that anything can happen to any of it. Knowing the truth is good, even when it's a hard truth. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and being prepared, it, it reminds me of, uh, of uh, Ryan Holiday talking about um, Memento Mori with uh, what's, what's uh, Marcus Aurelius, um, that he was always reminding himself that, you know, death is just around the corner. You just don't know how far away the corner is, but, uh, but, it's, but it's there and, 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 and you should be prepared and you should be living your life in, in, in a way. Now, is this something that, that you're currently working to equip your clients with? Is this something that, that obviously a lot of the times when we talk to, to someone like yourself, when I talk to someone like yourself who, who has been working with a group of people, developing them and helping them grow as, 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 as individuals, obviously you've already done some work with them. So they're probably already better equipped than the average person. But what are you seeing them struggle with during these times? Um, that that we haven't that we haven't spoken about or that you've been able to help them with during these these crises. Well, it's been interesting because you know you're right on one hand most of my clients have come to me um in advance of this and they've they've come to me because they're not 
they've somehow made some assessment in their life. Like I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing the things that I want to do. I'm not in some aspect or all aspects of my life. I'm not living the way I want to live. And I can't seem to make that change on my own. So the people who come to me, were already working on, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these things. Um, but for a lot of those people we've, we've seen, um, like I said, the, similar to what we talked about before, similar to kind of what happened to you. We've seen like this three-week period where it's like the bottom sort of got knocked out of everything we were doing. It was like, whoa, you know, and and now we're trying to find ways to, you know, reestablish what we're working on, get back on track, you know, get our habits back in place, get our routines back and continue to to do that. And I think then very often we don't become great in spite of our difficulties, but because of them. You know, and so a theme of a lot of the work that I do in my coaching program, we've got a something called a spiritual habits program. We're looking at how do we take adversity and turn it into something positive? What are the things that cause that to be able to happen? That's that's actually a really interesting concept. Would you mind walking us through a little bit about how how can we start looking at this as something that that is going to make us grow uh, down the road? How how can we start? reframing in a way, and I don't know if that's the right word, uh, this this whole world crisis that we're all going through so that it is a catalyst of change for ourselves. Not not just for, yeah, there's opportunities in the workforce, there's all these things, but how can we make it be, you know, I heard my mentor say that as long as, as, as we don't have a health tragedy in the family or someone close to us is get really sick or dies, we should be able to look back at this time and and think of it as as the best time or the best thing that could have happened to us at this time because it catalyzed such a change. So, uh, how how are you helping these people do this right now? Well, I think it comes down to yes, this crisis has brought certain things to light, but it's not the underlying condition is not that different. You know, like this this fact that anything can happen to us. You know, that life is uncertain. You know, the heart of the work I do with people is you know I always say that if you can do these two things you're going to have a good life, right? And that is you have to be able to stop and think about what matters to you, what is important. And then you've got to translate that into a way, a, a way of living. And then we have to be able to sort of keep doing that. What's important to me? What matters? Am I living that way? That's the basic skill. And so what a time like this can provide for us is like I said earlier, calling it a liminal space, right? Liminal spaces are often thought of as spaces for growth, right? And so I think the key thing that we can do is to ask ourselves, what really matters to me? Am I living life the way that I want? Am I spending my time on what matters? Am I spending my time on things that I value? And that's the fundamental work to be done in all times to bring about transformation is to really reflect on how we're living, reflect on what's important, and then try and make those two match each other. How we do that, particularly the second part is, you know, making our lives match our values. That, that, that's a lot of work. But, but I think that this is a really good opportunity to stop and go, what's important? Is the way I'm living the way I want to. It, I just think times like this allow us to stop and go a little bit deeper. You know, a lot of people are saying, hey, I've got time. I've got more time now. I don't have to commute two hours. I'm not sure what to do. Like that's how this becomes a growth opportunity. It becomes a growth opportunity by allowing ourselves to 
inhabit this space. There's a lot of research out there that says that we turn adversity into something positive when we reflect on when we actually really reflect on what's happening and we allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling we allow ourselves to inhabit the place we're in and we really reflect on those things and then out of that emerges new meaning i i could not agree more with that because you're absolutely right we we lack and i've spoken about this in other episodes how we lack that self-awareness time, how we lack that time of reflection, that time of 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 stillness. And and Cal Newport talks about it in in, in his book, both in, in deep work and in digital minimalism, about how we're constantly bombarded by input, input, input. And we rarely have the time to really digest all those inputs that we're receiving and form our own conclusions and, and, and create something. So you also mentioned something very interesting, going back to the parable of, of you know, your company, your podcast, and the one you feed. And it is that people are finding themselves right now with an extra two, three, four, five hours in the day. And how we're going to emerge from this quarantine in three, four, five weeks, however long it takes, will depend on how are we using those times? Are we spending now, are we investing five or six extra hours on Netflix and YouTube and Instagram, which by the way, we'll never finish with that. There's, there's no, there's no, oh, I'm almost done with Instagram. Like you're never going to finish that. Or are you using it to create something that, that you've always meant to do. And I've seen people who've decided, you know what, I finally decided to take that, that guitar playing course that I've, been, that I've been thinking about, decided to start writing my book. I've decided to um, create my new website for my side gig. I've decided to do these things. But most people are simply spending two or three times as much time as they did in time-wasting activities. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I want to, I think it's important to, I'm I, I I'm trying to straddle this line when I talk to people and I and I don't quite know how to do it so I'll just say what it is and then I'll just talk freely right and that line is similar you said a few minutes ago like it took me like three weeks to just kind of get my crap back together right like and I was I was you know you were just blasting yourself for why can't I perform at my normal levels right and so. There's a part of me that's like, we'll go on social media and we'll see like, oh, somebody has learned five new languages since we went into quarantine. And we'll just be like, I'm barely getting out of bed by 10 a.m. Like what? I suck, right? So I'm sensitive to that. This has been a difficult time. And for some of us, like the way we respond to fear and anxiety may may be a little bit maybe a little bit different. And so I want to encourage some degree of, of gentleness with ourselves, right? And at the same time, the truth is simply how we spend our time is going to determine what we get out of our life. And if we spend seven hours a day watching Netflix, then what we're going to get is what a life that has seven hours a day of Netflix in it, which is not for most of us. If that, if you watch Netflix seven hours a day and you feel good and happy, keep doing it for crying out loud. Most of us that will not lead to us feeling good. Like I said, I think that the work I do with people is constantly a, a process of what really matters to me, what's important to me, and is my life reflecting that? And where it's not, how do I adjust that? And those are difficult things to do. It, it can be difficult to go from two or three hours of social media a day to doing something more constructive, but it's imminently possible. you know. And again, that will, that will determine you know, there's just no shortcutting the basic fact that 
we kind of get out of life what we put into it. You know, there's, there's no getting around that, which is, you know, I wish there was a, I wish it was easier than that. And that's why I like having professional coaches here because I'm, I'm very black and white and you're absolutely right. I think that for some people uh, thinking about it that way uh, would be a lot of pressure. I've been seeing that meme go around, which I don't even know if it was true that Isaac Newton was uh, quarantined for the, for the past uh, back in the day. And uh, that's where he discovered so many things and the light bulb and so on. And, and uh, the meme says like, how are you doing with Netflix and no pressure Uh, so, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's really serving anyone and you're absolutely right for me. It's, it's, it's very easy to, 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 to just think like, well, you know what, you, you've got to do this, but, but in all complete honesty, I've increased my use of social media these last few days, especially the first couple of weeks. And that's when I've realized, and I said, listen, what's going to happen after this whole quarantine happens, I'm, am I going to have those 15 extra pounds that everyone keeps talking about? Am I going to uh, be, be weaker? Am I going to be slower? Am I going to be uh, you know, less prepared? Or am I going to take the time and do this? So little by little, that's why I decided, okay, let's start with the fundamentals. And, 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 and what are the variables? What are the things that I can control? And it's what time I go to bed, what I do first thing in the morning, what I eat, and how much, and if I move. And, and that's what I'm currently doing. Now, on the positive, it also allows me to spend some more time with my family and to spend some more time with my wife and to spend some more of these, of these different, um, different things that a lot of the times we, we, we stopped doing simply because we didn't have the time. So it's, it's a good opportunity to reflect overall. You're absolutely right. I think that's, I think that's, that's a key takeaway is, you know, being intentional about what we're really going to be doing throughout these days. Telling ourselves we suck all the time is not the way we change, right? You know, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I often say to people, like, it's not you, it's your approach, right? We, sometimes we need help in figuring out how to structure our life, how to make change. I mean, I, you know, there was a period of time, like, I couldn't stop putting a needle in my arm, right? Like, I, you know, so it's not like I was, fun, you know, like there was this, I was fundamentally deep inside, I was a, I had, I was this kind of person, you know, I just needed to learn some skills. And I think that's often what happens is we, we get down on ourselves and we're like, oh, I'm just the kind of person who can't stick with things. I'm just the kind of person who wastes my time. I'm just the kind of person who has no discipline. Right. And I, having done a lot of work with a lot of people, I don't think that's true. And so, you know, it's why I like that phrase. It's not you, it's your approach. Right. And so we know a lot from behavioral science about how people make change. You know, we know, and, and what you're describing is a great way to do it, which is, okay, let me bring down, let me bring the bar down a little bit here and let me focus on the fundamentals and let me get some basic things in place Let me start feeling good about that. Let me start getting a little bit of momentum and then let me build from that. You know, um, so many of us fail so often because we, we, we set the bar so high. We're all or nothing. It's either like I'm running eight miles a day. I'm journaling, you know, I'm working on my next novel. I, you know, I, we're doing all this or it's just what's the point, right? And we've got to find a way to inhabit a middle space. And you can eventually get back to that to that big standard. Uh, it, it happens all the time, and I see it all the time as a physician. And I, you know, my background is in in age management medicine, so I work with fifty year olds to sixty year olds who have been 
you know, have neglected their health and suddenly they want to get back in the game and they want to, to start feeling good and they want to have good high energy and be around for their grandkids and so on. And they think that going back to exercising, they'll be able to just go back in and do what they used to do in their 20s and 30s. And, and, and obviously that, that really doesn't make sense when anybody thinks about it, but we do try to do that all the time with our habits. It, just because at one time I was super productive, it doesn't necessarily mean that now that, that the situation has changed, I should be able to do all those things. I need to start again by the fundamentals and then build it up if it is where I want to go. I couldn't agree more. And, and, I, and I think here's where a lot of people get lost. I, just, I sort of had this insight working with some clients recently. And is a lot of people now have heard that and they go, okay, I'm going to start small. But when they start small, the whole time they're starting small, they're going, yeah, but it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, I walked around the block two times, but who cares? I mean, I used to run 10 miles, you know, I suck, right? And one of the things we know is that people, and I'm, I'm quoting the Stanford researcher, BJ Fogg, people change better by feeling good than feeling bad. Which means if you used to run 10 miles and you haven't worked out in 10 years and you need to walk around the, you can only walk around the block three times to start, you've got to find some way to feel good about walking around that block three times. You've got to say, yes, I did it. I did what I said I was going to do. Because what happens when that happens is our motivation goes up when we feel hope, when we feel proud when we feel confident, those things increase motivation and doubt and fear and, and um, self-loathing, those things push motivation down. And so we've got to start small. And as we start smaller, we've got to allow ourselves to celebrate the fact that we are doing something. And then we slowly build. And, and you know, there's, there's no doubt that this idea of starting small and building really, really works, but we have to allow ourselves to be there. Um, and, and it's a phrase I use all the time, which is a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. I think, I think a lot of people do that often. Uh, you know, you think about dieting and people think that if they cannot follow the super strict a hundred percent to the letter diet, then they might as well just go out for, you know, Big Macs and French fries. Uh, because they just can't follow the, the the diet. So same thing with exercise and same thing with everything else. So uh, I, I think that's that's a great reminder. Let's switch gears a little bit here, if you don't mind. Um, normally, we always like, or I always like to ask our guests for a few pieces of actionable advice that our listeners can start applying right away once we once they finish listening to this episode, even if they can start applying it while they're listening, that's that's even better. So in your experience, somebody who's listening to us right now and they're exactly in the same situation you and I just described. Uh, they're they're usually working. Now they're stuck at home with kids and they're trying to find their bearings in this new normal. What would be your top two or three actionable recommendations for these moms and these dads who are now found themselves in this new normal? Yep. I say the very first one would be work with your, par your partner and your children, if they're of age appropriate, to come up with a schedule that everybody agrees to. You know, if you're, if you're at home with your partner and you're both having to work from home, who's got the kids when? I see a lot of confusion among this and a lot of frustration among partners because they're not 
they're not coordinating that enough. And so they're getting frustrated with each other because they're like, well, why is she not doing it? Why is he not doing it? You know? So I think, I think coming up with, and again, if you can get your kids to buy into it, if they're old enough, even better, what is a schedule that's going to work for us? And again, I think that schedule at a minimum, right? It should focus on what time do we get up? What time do we go to bed? What, what are our working hours? And then, you know, where are we going to put in a little bit of self-care, even if it's five minutes of, of exercise or, you know, there's a, there's a great workout called the seven minute workout. You know, where am I going to do it? We know for sure that specificity helps with behavior. Knowing when I'm going to do something makes it way more likely I'm going to do it. So I would say creating that sort of a schedule would be, you know, really one of the very first things. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. Most most of the time, we assume that the other person will do it because, well, she knows that I got to work and she's thinking the same thing. And the kids are thinking, well, I'm at home and he's right there, so I might as well just go into his office and uh, and, and talk to him, right? So so being clear and and talking. And you know what? This is actually a great exercise because a lot of the times families don't really talk. I mean, they live together, but they don't really talk and they don't really agree on things and they don't really do plans. We tend to think, I, I remember one of my uncles, he used to have family me- meetings with, with his kids and the rest of us used to make fun of him. And, and now I realize like, listen, a lot of the times we need to get on the same page, especially when, when kids are of a certain age, because you need to figure out, okay, who's going to do what? And can I trust you to do this? Yep. Yep. The more we talk about things, the better. So much confusion happens and, and, and resentment and all that, because we just haven't, we're just not clear with each other about what's actually going to happen. We just assume it's, we've got a plan in our mind and we just assume the rest of the world knows what that plan is, you know? And then the second thing I would do is to say, find some way to, um, to move your body some each day. Again, I just mentioned something called the seven minute workout. You can Google it. Um, you know, you do the seven minute workout, you will get your heart rate up and you will move your body and you will feel better at the end of it. Well, you might need a few minutes after it's over before you feel better. It's a hard workout, but it's a, it's a great little workout you could do in the smallest of places. You need no weights, no exercise, but find a way to move your body. And then the last one would be, this is a little bit less exactly like a thing you can do, but it would be this, which is allow yourself to feel what you feel about this crisis and what's happening and what's what's going on in your life allow you allow it to be okay to feel the way you feel and try and spend a little bit of time working with those emotions write about them you know um it's this it's that's part of what makes us able to turn times like this into growth opportunities is by actually allowing the emotions to be there working with them trying to say i shouldn't feel this way all the time just doesn't work it's not it just doesn't help. And so allow it to be, allow yourself to be disappointed that you're, you know, that you're, that you're stuck at home all the time. Allow yourself to be, it's okay to be irritated with the people that are around you. Like trying to pretend you're not irritated or tell yourself I shouldn't be irritated isn't any good. I'm not saying be, be a, be a jerk to them. I'm saying get off by yourself, but allow yourself to be like, it's okay. I feel this way because if we could start to allow our feelings to be, it, it makes things easier. Again, our behavior is a different animal. We need, we're responsible for our behavior, but we're not responsible for that we feel something. We feel it. So let's, let's uh, you know, there's a lot of difficult emotion going on right now. It's okay that that's happening. Yeah, for sure. I think acknowledging what we're, what we're feeling allows us to recognize, and like you very well said at the beginning, to really 
think through and 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 digest what we're feeling and maybe even grow from it because we are able to see okay if i'm feeling this way why am i feeling this way is it just because i cannot go out or is is it because i can't go out and then this is also happening is this limiting for this or am i feeling worse because right now the entire world is in the exact same position we are stuck at home however for some of us we're stressed because you know it means that we're not able to to run our businesses like we normally did because we're not able to do certain things but some other people who are in the exact same position however they made other choices before they're thinking well you know what i'm i'm in a good i'm in a good place i'll take advantage and i'll spend more time with my family i'll do this why because i've been working on my business so just really stopping and realizing why you're feeling what you're feeling and and acknowledging it I think is is incredibly powerful, and like I said, this is coming from me who just recently started a a a, a more intentional, free flowing journaling method, and, and it's uncovered a lot of things. I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer of it right now because I used to just think of journaling as almost a checklist. What did I do? What am I grateful for? What is the blah, but nothing really profound. So I think I think those are those are some some great recommendations, Eric. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I do want to acknowledge you for, for the work you're doing. I think that being able to talk so openly and so vulnerably about your past and your background and, and, and your life experiences is, 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 is really something that not everyone is able to do. And I do want to acknowledge you for, for, for sharing that so openly with the world because I know that it is empowering other people and helping them realize that, you know what, my situation is not as bad as his was, so I can probably do something with my life. So thank you so much for the work that you're, that you're doing. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, how can people find out more about you? Uh, tell us what, where, can they, where can they subscribe to your podcast? Yeah, if you just go to oneufeed.com, net that's all spelled out o-n-e-y-o-u-f-e-e-d.net uh podcast is there coaching services are there um all kinds of stuff so it's one you feed.net or d1 you feed just one you feed.net yep perfect so one you feed.net and you guys know the drill i'm gonna have the links to everything that uh to all the resources that eric has for you down in the description just scroll down in your podcast app and you'll find it right there you can just tap directly if you're watching on youtube same thing eric one final question did you have a good time here in the highwood health show i sure did yes <laughs> i did you're 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 a great interviewer Thank you so much. I, I, I really enjoyed myself. I think uh, I think we all got some very valuable information. For you listening at home, I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions for myself or for Eric, you know what to do. Just send them over to doctory.show forward slash ask. And I'll see you here next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Eric Zimmer. I hope you enjoyed it and got some great tips and actionable advice from it. What was your favorite takeaway? Tag me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think. 
By the way, remember that you can find the links to everything we discussed in this episode in the show notes. You scroll down to this episode's description on your podcast app and tap on the appropriate link. Speaking of links, remember to check out podcastinabox.co for all your podcasting needs. If you are a busy entrepreneur looking to grow a personal brand and instill trust in your clients, there is no better way to do it than with a podcast. To learn how the team at Podcast in a Box can help you do just that, simply head on over to podcastinabox.co and find out more. Oh, and if you already have a podcast but find it hard and time-consuming to keep up, they can help with that as well. Seriously, they're amazing. Just head on over to podcastinabox.co and let them know that Dr. E sent you. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Eric Zimmer and Dr. E talk about overcoming this and every other crisis in our lives better than when we started. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there.